Arkansas. Backdoor score. There it is. That's 100 points for Connor McDavid. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. that sound? Edmonton, the Eskimos knocking off the Ottawa Red Blacks last night, 27-20 to to keep their undefeated season alive. Incredible. Wasn't pretty, but the Eskimos, you know, found a way to get it done. Once again, that's been the storyline all season long. Or I guess storyline one. Storyline two, the injury bug for the Eskimos, and that continued once again last night. The Eskimos losing Almondo Sewell in that game, and Marcus Howard. Uh, the Howard injury sounds like it's an Achilles injury, according to our Dave Campbell. He says that was the scuttlebutt uh, last night at the, uh, or in the building rather after the game. The Eskimos hush hush on that, but it doesn't look very good on Howard's front. As for Almondo Sewell, Dave saying it may be. Uh, a rib injury, but uh, that's all we know at this point. So the news, once again, not good on that front, but the Eskimos, who is ever on the field, along with Mike Riley, seem to be able to get the job done. Mike Riley, outstanding again last night for the Eskimos. Bryant Mitchell as well. We'll uh, recap that game here in a second on the program tonight. I should say, Brendan Ulrich in studio for uh, Reed Wilkins. Once again, one more time, Reed will be back uh, in this chair on Monday. Patrick Bauer behind the glass. How you doing, Patrick? So far, so good. So far, so good. Let's hope, let's hope that uh, stays. <laughs> you just started, though. so <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll see how the rest of the night goes. Uh, but, uh, you know, you were working the Eskimo game last night and another win. It was it was it wasn't as, as clear as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a blowout. I was actually kind of surprised at how well uh, the Red Blacks did, even taking the lead at one point. Not for very long. Yeah, but that's right. Yeah. No, you good. say blow. I thought uh, the Eskimos were going to lose last night. So, <laughs> and you thought the Eskimos were going to blow Ottawa out. It just seems like they've been steamrolling. Well, I guess steamrolling would be the wrong term because they're winning by narrow margins. But uh, I didn't think it would be the battle that it was. Well, they definitely have controlled the ball a lot more than the opposition. Um, last night, a few times in the red zone, they couldn't cash on touchdowns, had to settle for field goals. But yeah, they definitely controlled the time of possession. Um, that start again last night, another hot start for the Eskimos. You like that? And yeah, after watching Mike Riley complete that pass to uh, Ladarius Perkins, you're thinking, okay, here we go. Eskimos are going to steamroll Ottawa, but they clawed their way back and uh, it took a, a touchdown in the end from uh, Chris Getzlav for the Eskimos to complete the victory. But here's how it all sounded on 6.30 Ched with Morley Scott. Uh, complete to Perkins across the 30, the 25, the 20, 15, 10. Touchdown, Eskimos! Ladarius Perkins takes the first pie out of the oven, and for the third straight game, the Eskimos have a touchdown on their opening drive. Harris takes the snap, looks to the left side and throws, and that is touchdown to Greg Ellingson. And the Red Blacks are on the board. Harris drops back and throws. He's going to the back of the end zone. Looks like a touchdown for the Red Blacks, indeed. And Ottawa is going to take the lead. Deontay Spencer with the TD reception for the Red Blacks. Motion starts. Riley drops back, waits, throws. He's going to the end zone. He's got a man open. Touchdown, Eskimos. 
And the Eskimos will take the lead on a touchdown to Chris Getzlaff. This is the ball game for the Eskimos. The defense makes one more stop. They'll win their seventh straight. Harris drops back, throws, and he throws deep down the sidelines, up into the air, and Johnny Adams has an interception. The Eskimos take over possession. They will win this football game. The Eskimos will win it 27-20. Eskimos are 7-0 for the first time since 1961. Yes, Marley Scott is correct there. The Eskimos 7-0. and uh, The final 27-20 last night. The Eskimos will try to get to 8-0 uh, next week as uh, they take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Winnipeg. Then they're back home to host Saskatchewan after that. Uh, on the program tonight, we will hear from uh, Blake Dermont at about 6.30. At 7 o'clock, Mark Spector will be on from Sportsnet to talk about the Eskimos a little bit. Also, the Oilers uh, signing Kyler Yamamoto to an entry-level contract yesterday. We'll talk to Mark about that. Uh, at 7.30, we have local UFC fighter Mitch Clark on the program. And, of course, he is uh, taking part in UFC 215 here in Edmonton in September. So... We'll talk to him about uh, getting set for that fight, how the training's been, and much, much more. Uh, Mike Riley, sensational again last night for the Eskimos. Three new starters on the O-line, um, or I guess, yeah, what it was, I think it was three, yeah. And uh, it doesn't matter who's in front of them. Riley seems to get it done. I mean, the running game wasn't there the entire game. Perkins struggled to find holes at times. Um, I think that was because of uh, the changes to the O-line once again. I mean, there were a few times where per- when Perkins showed some really good burst in that football game, especially on that uh, pass. If you find him in the open field, he's gone. And he showed that last night. Nobody even touched him on that, uh, uh, or even came close to touching him on that TD pass from Riley. Of course, Batiste, a big block to help him out, but he was uh, gone in the wind shortly after that. So Perkins uh, remains... Uh, I mean, he looks good. Really good. When he gets in the open field, he's very dangerous. Once the O-line starts to get more healthy, I think that will help him a lot in terms of running in between the tackles. Uh, For now, though, I would like to see maybe some more short passes to Perkins uh, throughout the game and see if you can get him open into space like the Eskimos were able to do on the opening drive last night because he can fly, as can Kenny Stafford. He was back in... uh, you know, form last night, a deep ball from Riley. And uh, they have uh, that connection back. That's a great cup winning connection. He was part of that uh, championship team uh, with the Eskimos. So he looked good. And uh, what can you say about Bryant Mitchell? Wow. I mean, no Adarius Bowman. No Brandon Zilstra. He steps in and he becomes Riley's go-to guy out there. I know Hazleton as well uh, had a big game. Not a huge game, but he was consistent when uh, when Riley threw him the ball. But Mitchell was his go-to guy all night long. Two straight games, 100-plus yards, and uh, he's sneaky good. I mean, he does everything right. And uh, he doesn't have a lot of experience, but him and Riley quickly on the same page. And uh, here's what Bryant Mitchell had to say about his quarterback, Mike Riley, and their connection last night. It's amazing, man. Uh, that man is great. You, you see it week in and week out. Me and Brandon Zilstra always talk about, uh, you know, the Mamba mentality. And he definitely has it. And that's just stepping up every week, being a better you every single week. And Mike is doing it. And you hear that time after time from 
everyone on the Eskimos, when they talk about Mike Riley, he makes you better. Uh, Vidal Hazelton was on this program with Reed Wilkins a couple of weeks ago, and he basically said the same thing. He said, um, you don't want to mess up when Riley's on the field. One, he'll let you have it. You'll hear about it. But two, that makes you want to be better because Riley's so competitive. He wants to win every game. And Mitchell and Hazleton talking about how that has helped them become better players. And that's what a true leader does. And Mike Riley is leading this football team right now. Uh, No doubt about that. I would say hands down the best player in the CFL right now. Calgary fans might take exception to that. I guess we'll find out on Labor Day uh, when Riley and Bo Levi go head-to-head once again. You can text us 630-630 on the program tonight. Are you worried about all these injuries? Because here's the thing. The Eskimos keep winning, which is great. You would think that, hey, they're 7-0. They have a big cushion in the West. But then there's Calgary, there's BC, Winnipeg. I mean, they need to keep winning. So with all these injuries piling up, you you start to get more worried based on the fact that the Eskimos now will play Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and two times against Calgary shortly after that. So it it gets tougher and tougher for the Eskimos. These injuries continue to pile up. The D-line was the one thing they could rely upon to be that, uh, you know, dominant force night in and night out. And now the D-line's banged up with Sewell going down and Howard going down last night. The Eskimos secondary held its own last night for the most part. Now, there were times where Young got beat, uh, Woodman got beat, even Thompson got beat a couple times last night. But for the most part, they held their own. And I think that's largely part because the D-line is able to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Well, now you have injuries there, and you sort of wonder how that affects everything else on the defense. Now, eventually the Eskimos are going to get more healthy, you would hope, um, and you would hope they don't lose anyone else, knock on wood, because this, uh, this is a little bit ridiculous, but they keep on, you know, plowing along. 7-0, and we'll see if they can get by Winnipeg next week. Uh, we will take a quick time out. We'll hear some more comments from last night, get to uh, some of uh, your text messages. Uh, a clip or two from Kyler Yamamoto we'll get to on the program. Um, I want to play a clip from uh, Dustin Schwartz. He was on Oilers Now earlier today. He is the Oilers goaltending coach, and he was talking about Cam Talbot, working with him. And, uh, you know, Talbot played 73 games last season for the Oilers which is, uh, you know, a lot of games. I'm sure the others would be more comfortable if he was playing around 65 games. But Talbot says, hey, if he needs to, he will play 73. Well, hear what his goalie coach thinks about that and whether or not the Oilers want to get Laurent Brassois more involved next season. So lots to hit on tonight. There's a lot going on in the sporting world as well. Uh, The second round of the PGA Championship is still going on right now. There was a delay earlier uh, in the day. And uh, round two just wrapping up, so we can update you on the leaderboard there. Uh, we have a CFL game tonight. Montreal hosting Toronto. Mark Tressman back in uh, Montreal for the first time with Toronto. Uh, Ricky Ray out of this game for Toronto as well. Update you on that game. The Jays are in action. NFL preseason going on. A big trade today in the NFL. And uh, a suspension. A lengthy one for one of the star players in the league, Ezekiel Elliott. So we'll head on all that ahead on Inside Sports. We'll talk some more. There's more on the Eskimos with Blake Dermott at 630. But first, a quick timeout.
This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Brandon Ulrich on 630K. <laughs> DJ Patrick Bauer over there mixing things up tonight on Inside Sports. Yes, Ulrich with you. Reed Wilkins uh, vacationing right now. He'll be back on Monday. Eskimo 7-0. We'll uh, talk to Blake Dermott at uh, about 6.35 on the program tonight. Kyler Yamamoto signing with uh, the Edmonton Oilers Yesterday, his uh, entry-level deal. He joined me earlier on uh, Oilers Now. And uh, for those out, out there that don't know a lot about Yamamoto or what kind of player he is, I asked him to uh, give us uh, you know, his uh, description of the player that he is. And here's what he had to say. Um, you know, I think I'm a two-way forward, um, you know, willing to go to those dirty areas, um, get to the net. Um, you know, can make plays in the offensive zone um, when needed. And I was also defensively sound, and uh, I think, you know, I can uh, play that um, top six role and, you know, be able to um, produce in points and, um, you know, be a good plus-minus player and, you know, help the team win. Now, I love that from Yamamoto, talking more about uh, wanting to be a two-way player when we all know he has all kinds of skill and he's going to be a dynamic player at the NHL level. Um, Yes, his size may be a concern, but you look at the way the league is going, speed and skill. The Oilers have enough size in their lineup. They wanted to add, uh, you know, skill and uh, speed at the draft. That's what Peter Shirelli said. Keith Gretzky said the same thing. They went out and drafted Kyler Yamamoto, 22nd overall. Uh, he was great at the uh, World Junior Showcase for Team USA uh, last week, arguably their best player. At that event, they knocked off Canada in an exhibition game to close out the tournament. So, I, I I won't count him out. I mean, I'm sure people have counted him out his entire life based on his size. So, I wouldn't count him out from, you know, coming to training camp and uh, in the preseason, dominating, lighting it up, and making the Oilers think long and hard about maybe keeping him here. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think he'll likely go back to Spokane for another season. That's likely best for his development. And he'll likely go, oh, he will go to the World Juniors and star for the Americans at that tournament. But never say never. Don't count them out. So earlier on the program, or earlier on in the day, I was asking people on Oilers Now, when they see Yamamoto becoming a top six player, for the Oilers, because ideally, based on his size, even though he just said he wants to be uh, a two-way player, someone you can rely upon at both ends of the ice, I think ideally you likely want him in your top six, whether it's with McDavid or a dry settle or a Nugent Hopkins. Now, the Oilers could go with three scoring lines as well, have a, you know, a 2A and a 2B type situation in terms of their three lines. But that's likely where you want him. So if he can't star... I mean, you look at the right side on the Oilers right now, it's a lot of question marks. He's a right winger. They have uh, dry subtle on that top line if McClellan elects to uh, go back to McDavid with dry subtle. If he wants to, you know, play dry subtle down the middle on his own line, then maybe it's Slapashev or a Poliarvi on the right side or a Strom even with McDavid or a Kajula. 
but we don't know the answer to that. So long-term, there is a chance for Yamamoto to develop some chemistry with the dry cell or McDavid and be there long-term. So when do you think that will happen? You can text us at 630-630. Uh, lots going on tonight, as I was talking about. We will get to uh, Yamamoto later on in the program. I want to play a clip from uh, Dustin Schwartz as well. But there is a CFL game going on right now, so let's get to our... Uh, Scoreboard update for Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. Montreal leading Toronto 8 nothing right now at the uh, or early in the second quarter. CFL action going on right now tonight. What else do we have? I just closed the Blue Jays scoreboard. That wasn't a very smart idea. Let's see if I can get that back up in a second. Uh, second round of the PGA Championship. This is still going on right now. Kevin Kistner was out early today. He shot a 67. He is your leader right now. Well, actually, he's tied with Hideki Matsuama, who shot 700 today. Wow. Matsuama is on fire of late after his win last weekend. 7-under on the day. So he's tied with Kistner at 8-under. Uh, uh, Jason Day heating up here. In the second round, he is uh, in third. Five under on the day. He's through 17, six under on the tournament. So that's your top three. Molinari, Oosthuizen, both at five under. Ricky Fowler in the hunt. He's uh, at three under. Justin Thomas at three under as well. Brooks Kepka, U.S. Open champion. He is uh, at one under. So that's a look at uh, your leaderboard at the PGA Championship. I'll update you on the Blue Jays. We'll talk a little tennis later on in the program as well. There's a big tennis match going on uh, in Montreal involving a Canadian that, uh, you know, upset Rafael Nadal last night. So we should probably talk about that. That's all ahead on Inside Sports. But when we come back, it's Blake Dermott. You're listening to Inside Sports on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, we're back here on Inside Sports. Brendan Ulrich in for Reed Wilkins tonight. Read back on Monday. Patrick Brower behind the glass as well. Blake Dermott will join us here to talk about the Eskimos, as he does after every game on Inside Sports. He is our in-game analyst, and uh, he joins us from the hospital. Blake, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine, Bennett. How'd you make it through the game last night? Um, it wasn't too bad. It was just trying to find a place uh, quiet enough to be able to talk to you, uh, talk to the guys on the air, and... and uh, um, that was a challenge at times of skulking the hallways looking for a quiet spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a warrior, and, uh, you know, you mentioned it was a challenge at times. It was a bit of a challenge last night for the Eskimos as well, um, but as they've done all season long, in the end, when it matters the most, they, they get the job done. I mean, Getzlav steps up with a big touchdown, and the defense closes it out. Yeah, it was. Uh, it has been the... The story of the season. It has been a challenge every game, and uh, the way Mike Riley has been able to, you know, as well as the coaching staff and the training staff and everybody else, uh, hold this team together with 
with every roll of duct tape in the city. Uh, it's amazing that they are still able to pull the games out and 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 not just you know win at the last minute, which is which when you look at the game, it, that's what it looks like. But when you when you see the statistics, they had 483 yards of net offense. 483 yards. That's almost passing for 400 yards or 384 yards passing. And that's with an offensive line where of all the five starters, not one of them had started in that position the game before. That's like a whole new group of guys. And they're still able to do that. The receiving core, decimated. Different guys. Uh, now they're down to lose another two deep defensive linemen, which is really going to hurt them. Their defensive line in the front seven have been so strong, even through the injuries to the Will linebacker spot this year. But but when you lose Elmondo Sewell and, and uh, uh, another another defensive end, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, when, when you're when you're losing guys like that, that uh, and I just feel so bad for them because because they just. They, they've played so well, and it's so difficult for them to stay to stay healthy when, especially when they've got uh, you know the, the the types of the types of players that they are that the, you know they they and the, and the types of work that they're doing you know and and uh, with the pressures that defensive front had uh, ten pressures against thirty seven passes, so they are getting to the quarterback before he. Getting rid of the ball, or as he's getting rid of the ball, more than 25 percent of the time, which is leading the, leading the league. Uh, they're just doing a phenomenal job, and that's what's affecting their uh, the offense and the, uh, the opposing teams. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, the Sewell injury, we don't know a whole lot about right now. It sounds like maybe a rib injury. Uh, the Howard one sounds serious. It might be an Achilles type situation, according to our Dave Campbell. So we'll wait and see on that front. I want to ask you about the offensive line, Blake. You know the offensive line like no one else, having played it for so long here with the Eskimos. Um, I mean, the game against Hamilton. Sorensen goes down in game. Danny Grew was battling, and then they make all these changes uh, against uh, Ottawa. And it, I mean, at times it was a little dicey for Riley, but for the most part, those guys did a good job. But how difficult do you think that is right now for some of those guys and for Riley? I mean, just communication-wise, and you know, trying to step up, and make all these plays when it's basically a whole new set of guys in front of them every game. Well, the fact that he was only he was only sacked one time last night. Um, tells me that that offensive line they gave up. I think it was a total of six pressures and one sack. You know, when you look at the other side, they 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 had uh, a total of three sacks and and seven pressures. So, so they did a better job than the offensive line did on the other side of protecting the quarterback. Um, but you know, every time you, you, you just need a little bit of co- consistency with with who you're going to play beside. So this is game one with this group now. Is there going to be a game two? Is somebody going to come back? Is somebody going to be healthy? Uh, uh, every every time you get more games with the same group, the better they're going to play. And uh, uh, you know, when you look, as I said, statistically, you rush the ball, and that includes your quarterback rushing the ball. But you rush the ball for 102 yards, over 100 yards is a, is a target, and and you throw the ball for 384 yards. That's that's an outstanding job by that group up front, and and that's a, a, a really nice job by the receivers too, and and the running backs and being able to pick up blitzes, because because Ottawa truly did throw the, the house at them in that fourth quarter. Yeah, no doubt. And I guess if you were going to nitpick the O line a little bit, maybe it was uh, in the running game because Perkins at times couldn't get a whole lot going. I mean, he, he did find some room. Uh, 
at times, especially on the when they threw to him. That's when he when he had a, uh, he showed his burst and his speed and was able to use his talent. But uh, running in between the tackles at times was a little tough for the Eskimos last night. The game before they did get over 100 yards rushing with Perkins. Um, but yeah, with all those changes, it must be tough for him. But what'd you make of uh, the running game last night? Well, again, um, you know, I, I, the running game isn't going to always work every game, but that's why you have things like uh, screens and draws and uh, other things to help the, that take the pressure off that offensive line. And the first touchdown to Perkins was a beautiful setup screen. That was a really nice setup, great block by uh, 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 Batiste. Uh, just got out there and made a nice block. And then, of course, Beard downfield uh, hits one guy that bounces into a second guy. And uh, so... That was that's utilizing your running backs, but that's that's also you know nice play calling and uh, and really creative because uh, they when was the last time the Eskimos scored on a screen play uh, from, with the, to the to a running back? It's just not something they've done in a while, but they've got those kinds of things in their in their, in their toolbox, and uh, they did a nice job. And then then you look at what what uh, the kinds of protection that the the offensive line was giving that allowed Riley to rush for 51 yards. That's one of the best outputs he's had in, in probably a year and a half. So. So it isn't always about the running back and getting them running yards. It's about how the offensive line is protecting and allowing everybody else to move the ball on the ground because getting those first downs, eating up the clock, and and uh, getting positive yards uh, are just as important whether Riley's getting it or whether the running back's getting it. Sometimes it's even more important when the quarterback gets it because it's it's more of a lift to your to your offense. Yeah, well said. And you know what the amazing thing is, Blake? Um, I mean, the Eskimos are 7-0. You would think, hey, they have all this cushion here uh, in the West. I mean, all these injuries continue to pile up. You sort of wonder when uh, that's going to bite them. It hasn't yet, but now you look at the upcoming games here. They can't afford to to sit back. I mean, they need to keep on going forward and keep winning uh, because the West is so good. And uh, they have those games against Calgary coming up. They will play at Winnipeg next week, then Saskatchewan. But that's four games against the West. So um, they've done a good job of that. They haven't used the injuries as an excuse. Um, they've found ways to win. With all the injuries piling up, you sort of wonder when their luck is going to run out. We hope that's not the case, but uh, it's just it's just amazing to see how they're able to do this. But they need to keep winning is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. Uh, I know they've, they've created a little bit of cushion. I think they're, they, they can... They can afford to lose one game just because of uh, the, the, what Calgary's got the loss and a tie, um, but that's that's really it, though. You know, and that's that's what's so staggering uh, about this this West Division, as you mentioned. You know, you 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 go out and you get you win seven wins in a row. That hasn't happened since 1961. Hell, I wasn't even born when that <laughs> happened last. <laughs> and and it's still not good enough. To, to give you a little bit of breathing room, like you, you go out and lose two games in, in the next four, and you're now in second place or potentially in third place because of how teams can move up on you. Because everybody's this conference is so good, but that's the one thing that this coaching staff has done such a nice job of is being able to, and, and management, of course, uh, bring in the right type of personnel, and then the coaching staff is preparing that personnel to be ready to play. And when you look at, I think it was 27 guys on the six-game injured list this year. Now you got to probably going to add at least two more this after this week. It's it's that is a an unbelievable number when you when I think last year they only had 34 for the whole season, something like that. So they're almost you know they're one or two games away from matching what they did last year, and they haven't even played half the year. So and to have this kind of record that that just really speaks volume for what 
the organization has been able to build in that locker room. Yeah, and give the coaching staff a lot of credit here as well, Blake. Uh, Jason Moss and uh, Mike Benavides. This defense has uh, shown a big, big improvement from uh, year one with him as the D.C. to year two here. So overall, it seems like those two coaches are on the same page right now. Well, I, I said last year I thought that was the best hire that uh, that Jason Moss had made was getting Mike Benavides in here because this guy brings with him some experience, some calmness, He's run a club, he's run an organization before, and he's and he was the most experienced defensive coordinator that was out there. And he knows this game, and he knows he knows this league. And after one year of working with some of these guys, he he knows exactly what the, what's what's going to work in that locker room, and and it's shown. I mean, this defense is just playing fantastic, and that doesn't. You know, I made this comment last week. You really truly have to have a program when you come to the game just to see who the home team's going to be, because there's just so many new faces out there. But this, those new faces just seem to show up and play as well as the the other guys, uh, uh, the the old faces, and that's what's so shocking, especially in this type of a league when 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 you get a you know, you're used to 25 percent turnover, but you're already over 25 percent turnover. Like your fifteen to twenty is a, is a good is a high level of turnover from year to year. You're already over twenty five percent, and you're not even you know a third of the way into the season. Yeah, it's it's crazy. We'll see if they can keep it going uh, next week uh, in Winnipeg. Thanks for taking some time, Blake. I uh, really appreciate okay, it. Brandon. Talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot. That's Blake Dermott, our in-game analyst here on six thirty. Chet for every Eskimos game. Six uh, forty-five in Edmonton. CFL game going on right now. Montreal up 15-0 on Toronto. No rookie Ray for the Argos. Mark Tressman and, uh, and Jim Pop returning to Montreal here with uh, Toronto. But Montreal getting the best of Toronto so far, spoiling that return. Lots more going on tonight in uh, the sporting world. We'll continue to update you. On the CFL game, the PGA Championship Round 2 has been suspended due to darkness. So I believe there were a few golfers still out there. All the big hitters and all the leaders are done for the day. But uh, Chris Strude still has a few more holes to go, so he'll have to do that tomorrow. Scott Brown, James Hahn, those guys, Zach Johnson, three or four holes left for a few golfers. So they'll uh, resume play tomorrow, finishing up round two and then getting to round three. Brings back some memories from the Oil Country uh, Championship over the weekend. It was amazing to see what these golfers could do out there, having to play 34 holes. Because when I'm go- I don't know, are you a golfer, Patrick? I like the driving range. <laughs> See, that's not. A, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's like, about it. After like twelve or thirteen holes, I get fatigued and I just like, I get frustrated and uh, I forget, you know, to use the proper technique at times. You know, keep your shoulders tight, this and that. Follow through on your swing. Don't like, you just forget about everything. Yeah, twelve or thirteen holes, I find myself too drunk to continue. <laughs> that, so. That's another factor. <laughs> yes, exactly. You don't want to forget about that. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like you get sloppy, basically. 
in, in more than one way. But so to see when the golfers at the Old Country Championship last week, they went 34 holes and then there was a playoff just to see the focus and uh, the fact that they were able to keep going. I guess that's why they are pro golfers and we're talking about drinking beer when we're golfing. But One uh, per hole, yeah, you betcha. There you go. <laughs> 6 uh, 46 in Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. I want to play a clip from uh, Dustin Schwartz, Oilers goaltending coach on uh, Cam Talbot. When we come back, we'll hear some more uh, clips from Mike Riley throughout the program. At 7 o'clock, Mark Spector will join us. Uh, we also have Mitch Clark, local UFC fighter. He's going to uh, be uh, involved with two or UFC 215. That goes September 9th at uh, Rogers Place. So lots to get to on this Friday edition of Inside Sports. You're listening to Inside Sports on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30 Chad. in Edmonton. Brendan Ulrich with you. Patrick Bauer behind the glass helping out as well. You a big NFL guy, uh, Patrick? Uh, Not so much. I follow along, but if you were to ask me my favorite team, who who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl this year? That'll be my favorite team. Bandwagon fan for the NFL. So you're a Patriots fan. (laughs) Because they always seem to win. They always seem to win it, yeah. (laughs) They might win it again this year, the way that roster is uh, looking. The reason I ask is because my team's playing right now. Uh... Cincinnati Bengals. They are in action. It's preseason football. Um, but this is, I guess, for Eskimo fans, I, I should mention, Darrell Walker is playing in this game for Tampa Bay. I don't think he's uh, been out there on offense yet, but uh, maybe in the second half he'll get a look. Sounds like he's fighting for a roster spot with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they have Mike Evans. They uh, added Deshaun Jackson, so it'll be tough for him to crack the roster. Um, but we're rooting for him at the same time. I mean, I interviewed him on the sidelines uh, a few weeks ago at one of the Eskimo games when he was in town before heading back to Tampa for camp here. Uh, he was talking about playing with uh, Jameis Winston and how cool that was. So you root for a guy like that. You want him to you know, live his dream. At the same time, maybe there's a chance he would end up back with the Eskimos. I doubt it, though. I think maybe another team might pick him up, too, or he lands on a practice roster or something like that. And you wonder where he'd fit in with all the Eskimo receivers here, although a lot of them are banged up. But uh, you can follow along that story tonight as uh, Tampa Bay is taking on Cincinnati. In baseball, where is the Blue Jays? They are in action. Here we go. Top of the sixth. In uh, their home to Pittsburgh, they are down 4-2 right now. CFL action tonight, Montreal 15-3 on Toronto. Uh, just going back to the NFL here quickly, it was a busy day in the NFL. If you haven't heard, if you're doing a fantasy draft tonight or in the near future, you might want to uh, move Ezekiel Elliott down your draft board. Suspended six games by the NFL for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. Uh, it doesn't look good for Elliott. And... Uh, I think he deserves a longer suspension if uh, what the acquisitions are against him or if they're true or not. Um, sounds like the NFL did a lengthy investigation into this. He gets six games, and it sounds like he'll appeal it as well. Jerry Jones upset, but come on. Doesn't look good for Elliott. 
he's out for six games. Darren McFadden, I guess, might be their starting running back to start the year. Uh, a big trade as well. The Buffalo Bills trading Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins last night lighting up for uh, Buffalo in that preseason game. He's then traded with a 2018 sixth-round pick to the Rams for E.J. Gaines and a second-round pick. And uh, the Bills then went out and acquired Jordan Matthews as well from Philadelphia and a third-round pick for cornerback Ronald Darby. So the Bills making moves today. That's a quick look at uh, the NFL situation. Uh, In hockey... The news of the day for the Oilers yesterday was uh, signing Kyler Yamamoto. Um, no news on Leon Drysaddle. Nothing new today, so we'll leave it at that. Uh, we heard from Yamamoto. We'll hear the entire interview later on in the program tonight. Um, I guess some news yesterday involving uh, the Oilers goaltending coach, Dustin Schwartz, as he was named a consultant with the Western Hockey League. He uh, will still serve as the Oilers goaltending coach but uh, I did get the chance to talk to him earlier on Oilers now and I asked him if he's comfortable seeing Cam Talbot start 73 games in goal or what the plan is this season uh, for Talbot and if they want to work in Laurent Brassois a little bit more and here's what he had to say yeah for sure I mean it's uh, Brassois hopefully will be able to get into a few more games but in the same breath if Cam's ready to go and Cam's playing well at the end of the day you know Todd's going to make the final call as to who starts between the night I'll have my feedback for him and stuff like that but Todd's going to make the final call he's got to be comfortable with who's between the pipes Um, I think that if Cam had to play 73 games again and that's going to take us to the next step I'd be okay with it, you know, and that's, uh, I just wanted to, uh, the team to have a chance to win night after night, and um, LB's development is really, really important, but it's also important that we're winning games at this level, so we'll see if uh, how the season plays out, it's hard to uh, to unfold that right now in front of us and see what's going to happen, but in the ideal world, it would be good to see LB um, get into a few more games and uh, and show us that he can play. Yeah, I would be surprised if uh, Talbot plays 73 games for the Oilers this season. It was dicey early in the year. I mean, the Oilers had no faith or trust in Jonas Gustafsson. And why would you? He was terrible, to be frank, last year for the Oilers. No denying that. So the Oilers needed to uh, keep rolling with Cam Talbot. And Todd McClellan had faith in him. And night in and night out, Talbot rewarded. McBellin for that faith. Um, Brassois was called up. Started a few games, but I think this season you would like him to maybe get 10 to 12 starts at least. I would hope that maybe Talbot is in the range of 65 starts. Let's keep in uh, consideration the fact that the Oilers may have a long playoff run as well after that. So, 65 seems to be a good number for me with Talbot. 73 seems like a lot, but hey, he showed he could do it last year. So if he wants to keep going, why not? He's a beast, Cam Talbot. Unreal season last year for the Oilers. In my mind, a top five goalie right now in the NHL. I know uh, the NHL Network recently did a, a poll, and they had him at number seven. Based on last season, though, I would have him in the top five. Now, they had Carey Price first, and I think they're 
you know, taking into consideration more than last season when they have Price first. Because based on last season alone, I thought Talbot was better than Price. So Bobrovsky was outstanding last year. If you're going off last season, Bobrovsky would be number one. But they had Price number one. Number two was Holtby. But yeah, I think right now Cam Talbot's the top five goaltender in the league. And that's huge for the Edmonton Oilers moving forward. 657 uh, in Edmonton. We'll talk more about Talbot's workload, Yamamoto, and the Eskimos with Mark Spector from Sportsnet. That's ahead after the 7 o'clock news with Thomas Dias.